0: You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society with Fiona Stewart, Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm joined once again by Jen Robertson. Hello. Hi, good to be here. And by Neil Glover. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello. That seems to be the way to do it, just separate yet yeah, <laughs> say both. Every time I listen uh, back, I'm always thinking, how is it going to be, is it going to be an I embarrassing know. hello this time? <laughs> I know, exactly. The coughing.
0: I know, and if you overthink that, that's a nightmare, because then you, yeah, how am I saying hello? That, well, anyway, too much to think about. Uh, we've had a bit of correspondence. I just wanted to read you a wee email. and Now, it is lovely, actually, to hear from people. A number of people have spoken to me about how they've felt quite challenged and they've been stretched by reading through, john with us and i was thinking about this they are we are reading through john with people i certainly feel i'm being challenged and stretched so um i think we're all kind of on that journey together so keep that coming let me, let us know how you're getting on uh, now i did want to read out one email today uh and i'm going to just leave it open i'm not going to tell you who's written it and you can just guess see how quickly you get it but a little competition okay you ready
1: yeah just for me because okay. jen knows who it is both
0: of you i don't know if jen does Do no i know don't what? know who it is okay here we go all right well you say that you don't know here we go here it comes of course, I had to write after a Glovers Off, which was a eulogy to Wittertainment and the Glories is it of Mayo-
1: Yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> Mentioned in the in that
0: well done, it was, It was, it is William Wilson. So he says that he's, he looks forward to this week's launch of the new venture with um, uh, May on Kermode. Uh, and now he says here, also, it seemed appropriate to have a community Bible experience referenced on the same edition of Outspoken that talked about the Wittertainment community, which played its part in constructing a great radio program. Uh, I've come more and more to value the experience of a community grappling together to understand what God is saying through scripture. And that sense that this grappling is something that we are meant to do collectively mm. and not just individually. Your discussions on the podcast are a good model of this collective practice. I also found the discussion about communion and the real presence very stimulating. And the discussions Jen referred to with her friend about the role John Six played in convincing him about a Roman Catholic view on this issue resonated as I've had those same discussions with the same person. Once again, thanks again for an excellent podcast. Keep up the good work. Best wishes, William. He's, a, he's an LTL, I think. <laughs> now on that note actually yeah thanks for that William that was great to hear from you yeah so Jen I think you had more to say about that same person yes. or oh, that same conversation right now,
2: well, well that person I haven't <laughs> seen him for uh, long, I don't know three or four years I hadn't seen him during lockdown and I hadn't seen him a long time before that and I went away from that pod- podcast saying that I would need to have a conversation with him about this stuff about bread and wine in John chapter 6 and I was in Glasgow Central and I went onto my platform to get my train home and I saw somebody ahead of me walking and I thought, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> it was the friend. And it was amazing because I hadn't seen him for ages. We had a great chat on the train about lots and lots of stuff. I mean, I didn't just meet him and say, hello, I haven't seen you for four years. Let's talk about John chapter six. That would have been ridiculous. But we had a really good chat on the train about other stuff. But when I got home, I messaged him and said, and said what had happened. And like, I, I really want you to help me to keep thinking about this thing about what the bread is, what the wine is, what happens at communion, and he sent me the article that led to his conversion to Catholicism. So he did say, "Be careful, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> when when you when you read it, you never know what might happen." And then listening back, so having that conversation, and then listening to our us, our conversation, mm-hmm. I've just I've just known God speaking to me in a very practical way through meeting people and through listening to us talking because i was talking about how our messy church communions it felt as if god was there in a special way and then listening to neil describing the different perspectives of what communion is and i've, I've realized i've moved in my life from just believing it's a a memorial meal to believing that so- something significant happens here and, and that's purely from experience and now also from re- rediscovering the person to have the conversation with so i don't know where i'm going next but i totally believe um that god wasn't going to let me stay where i was Uh when i'm reading john chapter six and Uh then and and just exactly what william has said in that grappling with the bible and if md thinks you know we just get together and talk about what we've planned it's it's not at all these are real conversations where god is really speaking into our lives and so and so that has just been a quite a, a very interesting few weeks that's
1: great. Maybe we should talk a wee bit about Tom Wright lots in this podcast today, because you two always read the Tom Wright commentary. I think one of you hasn't today. Um, no, I
2: chose not to read Tom Wright but, today. But, I thought but, there was too
1: much Tom Wright reference. But what might happen is one of you will bump into Tom Wright at Central Railway Station. I, mean,
0: I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that conversation. Ely. Uh, he used actually, to go to Ely, that, didn't he? Yes, he used to live in Well, I think he's moved, though, hasn't he? He's got a new job down south, I think. Right. Um, Uh, you following up on that though Jen actually I was thinking as you were speaking there I was hosting our gathering on Sunday so basically that means you're kind of leading the service you're not Mm -hmm. preaching but you're leading the service um and our senior pastor is has just gone on sabbatical and so uh, it was communion um and there was an assumption that I was going to lead communion and I I was saying to somebody they were saying you're out for leading communion I was like yeah but you have to understand I have I have dodged this I've been a communion Mm -hmm. leading dodger for (laughs) years within our church because because i think growing up in church scotland where it was very much yeah. that you you only mm. were able to lead communion if you were ordained um but i did i did lead it on sunday morning good. in good baptist fashion yeah, it, but actually having had that discussion about john six was was really helpful mm. really helpful in advance of it i, I mean it's like we could get into this but but this is not the moment for it but you know i would have i would have quite happily led communion in my own home at yeah, mission of yeah. community i would happily lead it at events but I, i've always found in the sunday morning gathering ooh yeah. There's a wee how, bit of how was it? I shouldn't, I shouldn't you, be doing this. How did you feel? When well, you were doing I it? actually used some liturgy, which was some Baptist Union liturgy mm-hmm. um, that was really helpful. Um, yeah, and, and and there was uh, there was a sense of the presence of God in it now mm-hmm. now, you know, however you define that from, from <laughs> your different descriptions of what's happening there. Um, yeah.
1: I've got another tangent, although as Quick somebody point. says there's no such thing as a tangent. What do you think of the word God incident? Because as Jen was telling her story, (laughs) I kept wanting to say it, and then I thought, "Is it high?" Yeah, but you noticed.
2: Well, you noticed I didn't use it.
1: Yeah, yeah, but (laughs) ah, but that's (laughs) conscious (laughs) choice not to use it.
2: Tells you what she thinks of it. I don't know. I want to
1: rehabilitate it.
2: Do you? I just think there's not much need for it, really. I mean, coincidences happen, and God's part of that. You can say that, but. Yes, I'm not a massive fan
0: of the portmanteau word at the best of times. I don't enjoy chillaxing, for example.
2: (laughs) Although language is always developing, so we should be ready for new words. Portmanteaus.
1: Portmanteaus are banned. Portmanteaus must be... The plural must end with an X. Anyhow. That's a true tangent.
0: (laughs) That is a tangent. Um, In today's episode, we are going to be discussing the next chapter of John's. That's chapter 8. And... It's a chapter where we find that the (laughs) finger that wrote the law stoops to scribble in the dust, and the light of the world breaks the gloom of
1: religion. Oh, that's great! I had to say
0: that. I had to say that in a certain way to make it sound,
1: you know. No, it's great. I think that's the best one. I mean, that's a high bar to say it's the best because there's been some pretty good ones.
2: No, I I really like that one. Yeah, it's great. Thanks.
1: You know what? I'd love to. I was. I'd like to. Sorry, this is another tangent. I read. An interview with Eugene Peterson about writing the message. And I thought I'd love to do that.
2: Translate Mm. a Bible. And Mm. if
1: you did it, I would want those titles.
0: Oh, Neil, thanks. Although Jen would say we shouldn't have chapter headings on her.
1: No, no, I like chapters. It's just the verse numbers.
0: Okay. (laughs) That's very,
1: very specific. Good.
0: Okay. Well, now that we're, you know, just about 10 minutes into the podcast, I think it's probably time for (laughs) Glovers (laughs) Off.
1: Glovers Off this week is about something controversial. It's about politics. When I said to you it's going to be about politics, how did you feel? Great. Did you really? Yeah. Interesting. But politics
2: is the everyday. We're all political.
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah po- politics in the sense is it, it's from the word for people. It's how the people organise themselves. And... Yes, and yet we don't want to go there, we we fear it and I, I fear it as well because people don't like it, but I want to talk about a specific political issue and I think I have biblical warrant for talking about it. As Desmond Tutu once said, when people say that the faith and politics don't mix, I wonder which Bible they're reading. Oh, so, yes. yep. which political topic do you think I'm going to talk about? Here are some random, well, chosen verses. Um, ezekiel twenty two verse seven in you they have treated their father and mother with contempt in you they have oppressed the foreigner and mistreated the fatherless and the widow exodus twelve verse forty nine the same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing amongst you exodus twenty two twenty one do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner uh, exodus uh, Deuteronomy twenty four fourteen or ten nineteen and you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt yes which political issue do you want to talk about today?
0: Well, do you know what I feel a little bit sad about is there are a number of political issues that you could be talking about on, on the back of that. Mm. When I say sad, yeah. that these are these are real live issues. Yeah. Are you talking about
1: asylum? Yeah, yeah, I am. So one of my friends I've often referred to before, Alison, who very, very deeply committed Christian and also very involved with the Scottish Refugee Council, um, spoke to me distraught Last week, because the I think it's called the Borders and Asylum Bill has gone through mm. Parliament, and she is distraught because she believes in a vision in tune with those verses in which the foreigner is welcomed. Mm. And she believes that the current laws there are currently warehouses anyway in the south of England, but the, the move to have people's claims processed in Rwanda. Um, is simply to consign people to oblivion. She 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 sees that people will be there for years and years and years, and there will be very little transparency. And and she she was incredibly upset. And I think this is a political issue. And I would agree with the Archbishop of Canterbury, who said that the. So I want. You know, it's all very well to say in general faith and politics mix, but that has no meaning if you're not prepared to go to a specific issue. Uh-huh. So I would agree with the Archbishop of Canterbury who says that the the proposed asylum law goes against the nature of God, which is to, to welcome to welcome in. Um, I think there are some issues where Christians have to be very careful about claiming that God is behind them or not. I, I would, for example, always be wary of saying that God supports one political party over... And against another, I think mm-hmm. there are arguments to be had on both sides about tax policy. Um, but I think the arguments, the, the principal argument for this policy is deterrent—the idea that if people mm-hmm. see that um, asylum seeking in Britain is not a good option, they will not travel. The evidence is against that; uh, that deterrence does not stop people travelling, particularly when they they have family in the in this in the country that they're going to, um, and there is some degree of evidence to say. That some aspects of this policy are have for what is some people I'm very careful with my language here but this is the research have an appealing cruelty to them which which plays well in certain in certain ways um and I would want to speak against that so I I think politics the bible is speaks to politics and that means specific politics at times as well
2: as yeah I, I all around all these debates I have a huge concern about people trafficking and how we deal with that as well. Yep. And and the people that are making money out of the trouble of people who need to find that refuge. And, yep. and I don't think that's talked about enough. And I would like a balanced conversation around that, that we actively as a nation need to stop people dying trying to get here. And we need to look at the people that are getting them into these ships mm-hmm. that are causing the death, as well as the bigger issues around that. Uh, that I think are focused on more.
0: Yeah, and that can become quite complex actually, because yeah, we very. I think like a lot of politics, we 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 split that into the trafficker and the trafficked. But actually, yeah. there's there are often levels of complexity within yeah. those They're relationships, different.
1: aren't there? And Alison's response around that would be that the 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 response to trafficking is safe routes uh, mm, uh-huh. through yeah. it, It's not. She she just says there there's been studies done, proper academic studies done. On the deterrence effect and she says it, it just doesn't work mm-hmm. um, as a way of cutting down the traffic so mm-hmm. that, that would be her re- yeah. response
0: but yeah 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 um I, i've got a friend who's actually just finished um working on the border of poland and ukraine mm-hmm. so so he was in ukraine he's had to come out of ukraine and he's, he's recently been interested and um, processing people and helping people um coming through and uh one of the big things they're doing is, is giving a lot, a lot of information to people coming across about, you know, when you're in a situation of vulnerability, uh, be aware of the stranger who offers mm. offers yep. help and just be alert to the trafficking realities of that.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, right. Well, thank you, Neil. It would be worth pointing out to the listener that we are recording on the day of the council elections. Yeah, that so was the other reason for,
1: for choosing that. Casting, yeah. your, casting your votes and on there's that, a, it's all, it's all local. At least one member of our congregate, two, I think. We are standing as candidates. So, yeah, really important. The same
0: thing. party? I don't uh, know. No. Yeah,
1: uh, and one of them is in a party that um, I have never voted for before, but I will vote for him because I have such respect for him.
2: Yeah. Maybe yeah.
0: Maybe. Good. Thank you very much. Uh That's fantastic. Now, we are looking at John chapter 8 today. So, if you're using a light and life gospel, that is on pages 26 to 29 uh, of Light and Life Gospels. And of course, you can always get those from uh, scottish.bible. Uh, you can order up packs of those uh, to follow along with us. Uh, right, here we are. We're in John 8. Now, we, we left last time talking about that funny little hangover verse that said they, that they all went home, mm-hmm. but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Um, and then there is this next section, which in some people's uh, copies of the Bible is italicized. There's some debate about whether it's really part of the original text. Shall we start with that?
1: So there are two questions. One, is this an authentic part of the story of Jesus? And two, was this originally part of the gospel which was written by John, which we call John's gospel? And I would want to say the answer to the first question is a part of the story of Jesus. I think there's strong evidence to say that it is. And the second question uh, is it part originally of John's Gospel? I think there's strong evidence to say it's not. Uh, but I still believe it's part of the canon of Scripture. I believe that we have the Bible that God wants us to have. I believe that that miracle of, of transmission. So there are... John's Gospel was written in Greek, and there are no Greek manuscripts that contain this section of the, the story of the wound caught in adultery uh, that predate the year 900. So there are loads of Greek manuscripts before that and they either don't have it or they have it in another piece of John. Uh, But uh, it's mainly Latin manuscripts, which are translations, which have this. So uh, famously, uh, St. Jerome included this in his Vulgate Latin Bible, which appeared uh, just at the end of the 200s. So third century. I always get my centuries mixed up, uh, but it's the third century, I think. Um, So there's, there's strong evidence, both in terms of text to say this wasn't Part of originally John and and linguistically there are a couple of things. For example, the reference to the Mount of Olives that's never referred to anywhere else in John, but does appear in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The reference to the scribes never appears in John, but does appear in Luke. And the the word for daybreak is a word that Luke uses, but John never does. So the the potential is this looks like it might it could have come from Luke. Maybe there's some uh, texts which have it in Luke chapter twenty one. Uh, But there are very early sources uh, from... uh, There's one source, which is 2nd century, so that's the 100s, isn't it? Which refers to a story very like this in what's called the Gospel of the Hebrews. And there's another Syrian text, which is very, very similar to this for 100 years after that. So it does seem to have a very um, old prominence. Also, I don't know how you feel about it. It it looks like Jesus. Do you not think? The Jesus here... (laughs)
2: I'm just—I'm very grateful to Saint Jerome for putting in yeah. for various reasons yeah. because it's a great story, and yeah. I hope we're going to talk about it because yeah. I think it shows us so much about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, also, it—it it would have been quite hard, uh, John chapter seven and chapter eight, if it wasn't a wee break. I know, that's true. <laughs> it just—it'd yes, have just been <laughs> two big statements yeah. about l- water and light, and then lots of difficult conversations. Yeah.
0: But then, but then, I th- and I think you'll come to this later on because Jen, you were talking in advance. There, there's also. It feels as though this story occupies a place of significance in, to, in mm. what Jesus is about to talk about as well.
2: Yeah, well, and also because, yeah, the place it's happening in, it's the court of the women that this incredible light display happens eh, when all these lights are lit at this part of the festival of tabernacles. And I, and I wondered if this story about this woman who is saved by Jesus in many different ways, I don't mean mm. just saved in a traditional Christian use of that word but she is saved mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's because she's a woman that she's put in here because we're about to have this big explanation of Jesus being the light of the world in the court of the women.
0: So there's quite a few things in there. Let's come back yeah. to the court of the women later. Let's delve into this incident. Um, just I suppose to follow up on the translation issue I, I have a, a kind of layperson's question about that. It, whenever I see that kind of italicised print in my Bible it makes me slightly doubt the mm. The inclusion do you you think that's and i notice in the in the light and life gospel that's not been done so it's it's been left in the bulk of the text the same as every other do you think there's an argument for taking out the italics i mean i understand that you you know if you've got a particular interest in the greek and the translation and all of what you've just said neil that's important but
1: yeah that's a really good question does it kind of ruin it for people
0: well it it makes me not take it as seriously somehow but you've just given a very coherent argument, I think, yeah. for why that should be included in the canon of scripture.
1: Yeah. So just, let's just circumvent that. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I, I think like most of our Bibles are, are full of, well, footnotes of some description. Now there's a, there's a degree to which people yeah, are prepared to do that. I think sometimes, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, um, the one that's springing to mind is a, the bit where Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. You can also interpret that as the kingdom of God is amongst you. So there's a slight difference there. I think it's important sometimes to reflect the fact that in English, um, there can be one or two means of, of translating it. Um, therefore, if you go down that route, you probably have to be pretty. I mean, this is such an, this is up there with the ending of Mark's gospel. It's yeah. been mm-hmm. kind of up there. I don't know. Yeah, should you leave us That's okay. Out?
0: We can stop with we can stop with. I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> 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 it's a life lesson for you. <laughs> 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 right. Let's let's dig into the into the encounter then. So, so there's Jesus. There's this woman. There's the Pharisees gathered mm. round.
2: It's it's it made me it makes me very angry. This story mm-hmm. because I think there's something going on in the background. Mm. I some of the stuff I was reading made me take go to the point. Was actually this had been all set up by the religious leaders? Because how was this woman caught in adultery? It is a private act generally. It's not going to be out in the street. And so it was a. Set, we know it's a setup from reading the text that, that they're wanting to bring this woman so they can ask a question and catch Jesus out again. And but did they actually set up the encounter? Between her and the man, because of course the man who's also involved in this adulterous uh, act uh, isn't even mentioned. And and was he one of them? Did they send him in to do this? And then once he's in the act, they come in, they get the woman, and he's he's
1: off. It doesn't matter. Even though the he law did. says you have to bring both of them.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's that you dig down deep, and the treatment of this woman, she's just an object. Um, they don't actually really care do they actually really care about what's right and wrong and, and what, how she's living her life they don't care about her, they just, they're just using her to bring her to Jesus but, to but arguably,
0: Jesus. They, no, I'm just slightly playing devil's advocate here but they, they arguably do care about what's right and wrong
2: mm-hmm.
0: don't they to the unless exclusion they set of what's unless they set <laughs> it up uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. yeah it's a, it's a really um. so can I just go back I, I agree with you Jim. sorry just the whole thing about how they're I think that verse making her stand before all of them yeah. I find that such a violent
2: yeah.
1: verse. It makes me think of how women who were alleged to have collaborated with the Germans were made to parade in front of folks at the end of the Second World War. It's that mm-hmm. kind of utter mm-hmm. objectification.
2: Yeah. And and when she was she even dressed? Yeah. Was she yeah. half dressed? Yeah. Yeah. Did she have time to get dressed? Yeah. You know, yeah. She, yeah. she exposed in every, every way, yeah, physically yeah. as well mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. socially and 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 then the, the bit when Jesus writes on the ground, for the first time ever when I was mm-hmm. reading this, because of some commentaries I was reading, um, there was a suggestion that maybe by writing on the ground, Jesus is de- de- distracting the men from staring at her mm-hmm. and looking at her. So they're actually looking at him now. And he's he's it's an act of compassion on the part of Jesus mm-hmm. so that they look at him and they don't look at the woman in all her distress.
0: I think that's a really interesting thing to think about, Jen. Um, and I think these some of these things are not mutually exclusive either. But one of the comments I was reading about was speculating what he might have been writing.
2: Yeah,
0: might have been doodling actually. Which was one of the, the suggestions. Which, um, <laughs> as an inveterate doodler, I find that quite encouraging. But uh, one of the things he was speculating was that he was either writing the names of those in the crowd
2: mm-hmm.
0: who who were condemning her, or, or he was writing some of the sinful behaviour.
1: The, the people I mean it's such a it's such an inviting comment because it doesn't just happen once, it happens twice that Jesus writes. So it's not incidental to the story. And and it's so provocative because it doesn't tell us what you write. So of course we're gonna come in with all these speculations. And as you say, Fiona, there are there are so many different possibilities. I I find the the interpretation that Jen gave more convincing because I think for the writer of the text, it is the fact that Jesus wrote something rather than the content of what he wrote that was important and the fact that he wrote it in the dust. So there is something there about Jesus creating some moment of either distraction or there are, there are some Middle Eastern texts where people talk about being calm under pressure. They, they write. Uh, so there's something here about Jesus forcing a pause into this otherwise very heated moment
0: and and there is i mean that was what i was alluding to in, in my summary there is that there is that idea that it was the finger of god that wrote the commandments
1: mm, and mm. it's the finger
0: of god that's tracing in the wow. dust isn't there yeah mm-hmm. that's why
2: i really liked your introduction because mm-hmm. it connected those and then later on in chapter eight well that's what jesus is talking about that he 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 has been he is he has been before he was there when the commandments were written in hmm
0: i mean that that's that kind of stopped me in my tracks i was speaking to somebody this week who was telling me she's been reading through luke's gospel and she'd heard somebody talk about this so she decided to do it every time she hits something that gives her pause to stop and think she stops reading at that point and she ponders that for the day and then the next day she'll pick up so sometimes she'll only read a verse because it will you know stop her in her tracks but but that that really stopped me in my tracks around this is like wow
1: the writing bit
2: yeah and and that's exactly yeah. the effect it had on the people. And it was interesting what you said that Pope was he writing their names and the things he knew they had done because that would tie in completely with the next bit when they start to walk away one at a time, the oldest first.
0: But like you say, Neil, it's not it's not what he writes; it's the fact yeah. that he's writing yeah. and,
1: and calls this moment to people to look at themselves. One of one of the speculations as to why this story was not included in some texts is that because people actually found it too difficult the idea that the, in the early church where a discipline was so important to have a story where Jesus apparently kind of lets this woman off I mean I don't think he does because he says goes goes and sin no more but that was too problematic for people to deal with and that was one of the reasons that it wasn't included
0: interesting so one by one they go mm. and he's left and, and so can we talk about his response to Herb mm. So, so again, again, this is something I was reading, and it wasn't, it wasn't Tom Wright. I don't think, at <laughs> least this time, it was about um, you know that argument that Jesus somehow is knocking the law aside, but he's not. He's 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 actually affirming the the holiness of the law, but he's he's making it very personal in terms of judgment.
1: Yeah, I I think some of this has to reflect the fact that clearly the motives of the people who are who are dealing with this. Are very, very badly flawed. This this woman uh-huh. is being and this pretense of holy righteousness is, is being put at the service of another agenda. Um but people would go further and say that that what what this verse tells us is that the law stands but not the punishment of the law. Uh, some people would even say, "You know, you know, where, where do you then get with court systems and stuff like this?" Is Jesus getting rid of sentencing and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Th- that moment when it says, "Only, only Jesus was left mm. with her," uh-huh. and we know this is this is God, holy, perfect. He's going to go on and talk about that, a bit, isn't he that He is the one? Um, so all these men, for some reason, are reminded that they are not perfect and they have failed. And interestingly, it's the last the oldest the oldest goes first the older that we are do we know more aware of all the things that we've done it's such an uh, interesting
1: detail isn't it That the it really is
2: first. why did they go first yeah a lifetime of making mistakes and then this beautiful moment i just wrote beautiful beside and jesus is left with her and he says where where have they all gone has no one condemned you and she says no one sir and it's just—it's like we were talking before we came on to record. We were talking about the gospel and what that term means. But there's so much of the God loving as God forgiving as God restoring as in this this wee story. Uh-huh. Only the Holy God um, is all she needs to be forgiven and to start again in a different path.
1: I I had an experience recently where I found myself singing choruses and I was aware of wrong in my own life and yet still knowing that that chorus included that song included me because Mm -hmm. of the gospel Mm -hmm. and it's that moment you were just talking about there Jen where she suddenly realized no one condemns me I think an authentic experience of the gospel I think will always include that wow I'm not condemned feeling to
0: it. And it is such a picture of grace, isn't it? This because because actually the the one man left at the end is is the only one who does have the right to condemn yeah. because of his holiness,
2: and he's the one that's going to be condemned.
0: Yeah, in a few yeah. more chapters. Yeah,
2: and die.
1: I I think a great exercise maybe to do is just just to pause and and maybe to imagine Jesus saying to us. Neither do I condemn you. You could even see your own name, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. go your own way mm-hmm. now and sin no mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so often, when we think, you know, they think of that phrase, "Go and leave your life of sin." And that's what. I'm just checking. Yeah, leave your like. life of sin. Mm-hmm. If that had, if that's all that had been said to her, mm. without everything that had gone before. It could still feel condemnatory, mm. um, judgmental. You need to change, you need to do something, you need to sort yourself out. It's all about you, but it, but it's not. It's, a, yeah. it's about Jesus caring for her, protecting her, loving her, listening to her, and in that love, the grace appears and she's able to go on into this new way of life and it, it, i wrote down some wee phrases i did she was he she was encouraged not condemned she was forgiven not exposed she was respected not downtrodden and she was protected not abused but often mm-hmm. when we look at other people's lives we think you need to stop doing that and you need to change yeah. it mm-hmm. but that isn't what jesus he, he is saying you need to change but it's in such a different context it makes all the difference mm-hmm.
0: Can I just circle back to the process of law argument as well? <laughs> Sorry to break the as mood. As a, formal a yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Well, I did actually when you said that, Neil, about you know is Jesus dealing with with law. There's not due process here. Mm. Yeah, because actually they are not they are not following the the process they ought to follow in terms yeah. of the law. So yeah. they ought to have had the male and the female there. They ought to. There's nothing that says about stoning. So you know they have made that decision to to go to that that brutal yes. form of execution now, now I'm not saying that you know that that wouldn't stand as a thing but that, it, that that's what it speaks of to me do you think that therefore that, that, well that makes me think about how people how we as human beings we we kind of we there's expediency sometimes in how we view justice and it, is, it does make me think about the importance of due process and it comes back to your discussion Neil, about politics I think due process and the rule of law these things are really
2: important yeah. But do you think that's maybe why they walk away, because they actually know that that what I said earlier, maybe, maybe they'd set this all up. Sure. So, so they know this isn't a, isn't just here's a woman caught in adultery and we need to follow due process and and so Jesus could have said, well, you're not doing it the right way. Let's do it the proper way. But they know that they have yes. set this up just to trap Jesus. They've and even if they haven't way.
0: set it up, they're they're certainly yeah. using it to their advantage, aren't they? So there's an experience and a and a self a self. Um... Cent- no self is what, what they're trying to achieve an aim, a different mm-hmm. aim through.
1: It's really Jesus ge- Can I? Can I go, want go back Jesus to? The, go. the question, though, that that your comment then raises, Fiona, if if it had all been done properly, and mm-hmm. you know all due process had been followed, do you think Jesus would still have done the same thing?
0: That I don't know. That's that's a really interesting question, isn't it?
1: Because I don't think that's the central thrust of the story here.
0: No, neither, neither do I. I would just like to to say that. I, I just there was something in what you said about the law thing. I, yeah, I, yeah, no,
1: and I totally agree with you because like due is such a tension uh-huh, because
0: because there is something that Jesus is doing that is a reforming of the law. Yeah, isn't there? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's going to come in a bit. Yeah. Because
2: uh-huh. there's redemption. Uh huh. Because <laughs> uh-huh. there's redemption but, and there's. Yeah. Because to come to another political topic, you could end up talking about capital punishment. Uh huh. And yeah. I personally, I, I can't support capital punishment. And the bottom line for me is that there's always redemption. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I think then I think a prison system that's working well offers that redemption mm. and the restoration of people who have committed the worst crimes. Which, so, which yeah. then
0: takes you also, interestingly, to the, the place of prison reform and the importance yeah. of Christians being involved in prison reform because actually often that's not the experience of people within yeah. the prison system. So, what are we doing doing about Mm that? (laughs) Exactly. People have sometimes
1: said that you can tell, you can judge a society, an interesting word, judge, given what we're, Mm -hmm. according to how it treats its most vulnerable. And people would normally name its prisoners, its people who've come from foreign places, and children.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who, somebody, is it Mandela who said that? Somebody, somebody, Mm. there's a quote about that.
1: And women. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Perhaps.
0: Yeah. talking of women can we segue into the court of the women because Jen you mentioned that at the beginning yeah so we go we
2: go from this interaction of Jesus with a woman another one another woman there's been lots hasn't there Uh, as we've gone through John and then we move into Jesus being in this amazing moment in the festival when there's these apparently these candelabras maybe that's not the right word huge candles that are like 75 foot high and there's four each four there's four pillars and each pillar has four bowls on it and uh, they all have candles in them so this are not, this lighting takes place what are the wicks These, again jen Ah, oh, they're made out of the priest's underwear yes. <laughs> recycled recycled <laughs> drawers wicks. and girdles so we have this fantastic visual thing i'd love to have seen it maybe you could Somebody could paint a picture about that. I wonder if there's any paintings of that. And then apparently it's been written down that the the light was so powerful it could be seen through the whole of the city. And at that moment, when these candles are are lit to represent and to remember the the people being led out through the desert with the pillar, God is the pillar of Mm -hmm. fire. Jesus stands up and says, "I am the light of the world. And if you come to me, you know, you'll not, not walk in darkness." Um, and this takes place in the court of the woman. And I wonder if there's mm. a connection that the, the, the man who is God has spent time with a woman, uh, forgiving her, accepting her, pointing her on the right way to live. And then in that court of women, he speaks to everybody. you will come to me and you'll have this light and a life that's not, not getting any darkness in it.
1: To borrow a word from earlier, it feels like more than a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: and again contextualized teaching isn't it mm-hmm. we've talked about that before i think that's been one of my big revelations as we've read through john so far actually is those, those i am statements that i've always kind of pulled out from hmm. the text and yeah yeah i think maybe when you've been in youth work you've done a lot of you know teaching on those i am statements it's because a nice there's seven of them last last a week i thought there were nine <laughs> anyway that's right. a, yeah right, maybe that's way in truth way truth life that, that counted as one uh, of three Maybe I know exactly kind of thing. But I think that's right. I have always kind of pulled them out separately and actually that's been a real revelation that, that it's so contextualized, isn't it? Can I say a bit I'm now about looking out for that the same way as we're looking out for the prologue, it's great.
1: Oh yeah, it comes in with a the light there. Can I say a wee bit about I am statements and please do. So, you know, far <laughs> this podcast changes you, doesn't it? i kind of you know, I find myself quoting John all the time. I had a big discussion with somebody this morning and they said I was having studied this chapter and they said, what are you on about? And I said, oh, I've just been studying John loads. I think I've been sent the two same, well, I did, I said the same, we might come to it later. Uh, you were like, oh yeah, uh, that's yeah, because you're immersed in John. So I was talking to my spiritual director last week, and I'm allowed to say that because I, I'm the person who has the confidentiality on it. And uh, I was talking to him about the demand of Christ because of all these images of, I am the, I am the water. I am the bread. I am the, the light. And each of them seems to come with a demand that we 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 eat only of Christ alone, that we drink only of Christ alone, that we that Christ only is our light. And I used the word totalitarianism or totalitarian thing of Christ that He demands everything of us. Totalitarian meaning um, that which is total. And my director said, "I really bumped. I really don't like that word because that that is a word that dictators use and." Uh, I've been listening, I think you have as well, if you know that, listening to the Dictators podcast, where,
2: what... I think it's Jen. Oh, was it Jen I was listening anyway, to? Sorry, it. sorry Jen. Jen. Is oh, that a surprise <laughs> for you?
1: No, no, I <laughs> just mem- remembered it incorrectly. You definitely said something about it. Oh, sorry. Right.
0: No, I think I've listened to one episode on the back of Jen's recommendation. Yeah. I, I would like... To... Anyway, that's anyway jane so has
1: let's come back <laughs> jane has been listening to the dictators podcast <laughs> and what's interesting about the t- t- totalitarian dictators is they grab 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 they just steal things off their people and they become really rich and everyone else becomes really poor jesus is completely the opposite of that mm-hmm. The yeah. that the light is total giving to us it fits with the the, the story of the woman it's a giving of total grace that water is an image of I will give you everything you need or the bread I will give you everything you need and my spiritual director went on to say that when the Jesuits have a retreat which is a 30-day retreat contemplation of your sin is part of that retreat you think about it for 10 days but only after you have spent 10 days thinking about the love of God and your director won't let you go on to day 11 until they're content that you have properly engaged with the love of god and i love that idea that these images of abundance of of love that is for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that that i think lie at the heart of all of these i am images they're all images of gift of and that we are converted by receiving incredible generosity and form his, as it says in the prologue and from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace mm. gift upon gift
2: which again are reflected in the story of the woman caught in adultery mm. it's only when she'd known the love of god yeah that then she the, the sins are dealt with are forgiven yeah mm-hmm. grace upon grace yeah. I hadn't yeah. thought of that connection with the prologue for her that story yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and and i am mm light of the world obviously but I am comes up later
1: on as well yeah, yeah. so th- this is a <laughs> this is a reference isn't it to the exodus story where God says I am who I am and the the Greek word egoimi or the Greek phrase egoimi means I am and Jesus utters it both here I am the light of the world John 8 12 and then at the end John 8 58 and and what's really interesting about this it is clearly to Jesus's audience they they get The point that because they want to stone him at this point, which is another connection, of course, with the woman caught in adultery, that um, they want to stone him because he has clearly appropriated the name of, of God. And for me, one of the interesting things about this is when we ask, why did Jesus die? you're probably aware there's a huge debate about this from more kind of progressive commentators who said that that jesus took on the might of empire and someone who was as radical and revolutionary as as jesus had to be killed by empire now there's bits of that in the text but there's not a huge amount now i don't deny that that's what happens but if we're reading a bit more into the text there if we go down that route. The other route is that it is a self-conscious choice of Christ to give himself as a sacrifice for, for, for sins. And I, I, I think there is more evidence for that one. But once again, it, it almost it becomes too pathological. It becomes a kind of death wish is too strong, but there, there's something about that. I think, particularly here in John, the reason that Jesus is such a problem is that he is prepared to locate God within himself, and that utterly shatters the religious system that exists at the time that says God cannot be in another human, and and to claim to be God is is the claim that that drives people crazy, and I think if we're to to deal with why did Jesus die, it was because he was prepared to reveal that god could exist within him and that god was where god had decided that people couldn't god couldn't be and this was too provocative this was too inflammatory for the religious people around him so they had to had to kill him this is the, the reason why jesus dies
2: which really this conversation is all about isn't it you know, um who are you where have you come from mm-hmm. I, but you haven't got another witness so i do have a witness that's god he's with me it, it just re- jesus repeating again and again mm-hmm. that i and the, the father and i are one he's here and if you would known the father you've known me that's what all these paragraphs are about which is quite hard to they're quite hard to read it's not an easy read mm-hmm. no bit. it's a and,
1: really
0: yeah and and it makes you think about the, the c.s lewis quote doesn't it but the, the, the mad bad are
1: mm, yeah. true mm-hmm yeah,
0: because because you know if you were to read this with the the filter of well let's suppose Jesus isn't who he says he is, mm-hmm. actually do you, do you know this is dangerous stuff, isn't yeah, it yeah. that he's yeah. saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean that final comment which we started off with just when you asked that question for you about the I am. You know they say to him you're not yet fifty years old and you have seen Abraham and his answer is before Abraham was born I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's either he's either unwell, mm-hmm. or he's good he's he's trying to be something he's not mm-hmm. or he's
1: he's, t- he's speaking the truth it's an interesting yeah. thing that 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 jesus when he talks about being god he never actually says the statement i am god mm-hmm. he, he mm-hmm. leads you there so and this yes. is where john is quite consistent with the other gospels so in this statement here before abraham was i am that, that's still the meaning of that is not lost in jesus audience but there's still a it's not on the nose. There's a, there's an illusion there. There's an ambiguity there. Similarly, when he's under trial, you know, are you the son of God? And he says, you say that I am. So he doesn't deny it. And then you will see the son of man. So always Jesus is leading us up to the very precincts of saying I am God, but never quite, he you know, almost wants us to do the re- the final bit of the work of understanding that.
2: Mm-hmm. And th- the whole thing reads... It's like an argument
1: that's going badly mm-hmm.
2: wrong, isn't it? I mean, there's, it, you, you could read it as them throwing more and more offensive statements at each other. You know the 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 leaders are saying, you know, that you're demon possessed, and then Jesus is saying, your your father is the devil. You're, you're not children of Abraham at all, and um, he says that you're, you you know if you, you you they say we're
1: not illegitimate children, you are. You know, it, it's
2: it's a <laughs> it's really quite troubled. Uh-huh. The discourse. Uh-huh.
1: What I find really upsetting about it is that, and and commentators really struggle with this, this is to the Jews who believe. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's they, incredibly mm-hmm. harsh, as you say, your father is the devil. And mm-hmm. and people say there must be a bit where suddenly Jesus is just turning to the quotes ordinary Jews uh, as opposed to the ones that believe. But I think we've got to take the text at face value here And I think the meaning of this is that it is possible to believe, it is possible to be a Christian and still have such a strong residue of inherited faith, which is about living within a sense of entitlement or a sense that my righteousness is better than everybody else's righteousness or something like that, that is so ingrained that Jesus's toughest, hardest words almost have to be directed to Christian believers who haven't managed to let go of religion.
0: That's sobering, isn't it? I mean, that's really sobering. Yeah. For those of us who are 50. (laughs) (laughs) You know?
2: Yeah, because... I mean, it's good sobering. Yeah, yeah, very. It's it's right sobering. It's righteous. And and it's not just people who'd believed in something. It's it's to the Jews who'd believed believed Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. They they believe that Jesus is who he's saying is. But then he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Mm -hmm. It's not just about believing. Mm
1: -hmm. So let's just take this a wee bit further and say, is it possibly the case (laughs) that some of us are most bitter Experiences in the church have been with people who have had I'm trying to find the word stricter interpretations of what it is to be a Christian than us, and and that some of the the moments of okay, I'll speak for myself. Some of the moments I have felt most judgmental have mm-hmm. been towards the hardcore folks, and that I realise that in doing that, it is my own judgmentalism which is exposed. And I have to I, listen to these words. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does yeah, make would, sense. I'm not sure if I, if I, if my experience would be the same, but right? it makes sense.
2: I, I think as well. what the times I'm thinking of is people who would. I don't, it's so hard. I'm going to be very careful words. I don't want to judge people, but sometimes people who would, who'd always been at church and would and would be very diligent and faithful and would call themselves believers, but then something happens. That requires a kind of shift
1: mm-hmm.
2: in what it means to be a believer. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of things that are going just now a lot in churches, of where churches are having to shut down and they're having to join up with other churches. And I have spoken to people over many years who who are oh you no, know, they're not young people; they're quite old, and they've said, well, "If I can't sit in this seat in this place, that's it. I'm not going anywhere." And it's. And I think that's quite different, maybe, from what you're describing, Neil. But it's a kind of sense that their belief has just been so kind of—it's been about process, about doing, about going. About, about, it's About, about behavior. history,
1: is it maybe because history yeah, and, is such and a their heritage, yeah,
2: it's not been about being a being flexible and responsive um, uh, to who God is and a yeah. relationship with God. It's this what we talked about at the start of the podcast? That I kind of always ready to listen to what god might be saying even it mm-hmm. might take you down a road that you'd never wanted to go um is it is is, is that is there something about that in there that rigidity or not? i think that's
0: i think that i think that's a valid i think it's valid but Thank again you, if i can ju- <laughs> <laughs> don't judge you um i think that's valid but but as you were speaking i was also thinking about younger people whose basis of religion is potentially quite fixed, actually. Basis of belief is quite fixed. Sometimes it's fixed by the context that they find themselves in and the people who surround them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think I'm I think I'm just pushing back against the it's it's the older people who've yeah, been sure, around. Sure. Because sure. I think I think what you're saying is valid, but but I also think we see it in all ages.
1: And and to go back to your earlier point much earlier on, what we we've got to read this and see this in ourselves.
2: Mm. Yeah. Not oh, very much so. Yeah. And he goes on to say, if you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples. And it's an amazing phrase that's pretty well known, you know, then you will know the truth and the oh, truth will set you free. Okay. hmm hmm And is there something about these listeners that they were, they were so looking for freedom in a way that we've never experienced? I mean, their history had all been about being enslaved and not being enslaved because they were God's people and Mm -hmm. Egypt and I mean they're there celebrating they're they're remembering that pillar of fire that led them through the desert to freedom Mm -hmm. and and, but Jesus is saying it's it's not these things in the past that will free you but it's following my teaching and knowing the truth what is this truth I know Pilate said that later on but Mm. you know
0: yeah I, and and I'm, I'm thinking also about the context of the the festival and who is who is around that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, presumably Nicodemus is around somewhere. Mm. Presumably, you know, yeah. the, the disciples are obviously around somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, you, it's heard on what he's saying is is heard on multiple levels, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we depending we,
0: on people's direction of travel towards or away from God.
1: Yeah. Um. And actually, you just said Nicodemus. He was there in chapter seven. Our law. He does uh-huh. not judge people without first giving them a hearing, which speaks uh-huh. immediately to the adultery
0: uh-huh. story as well. Uh-huh. And so, and so, Jesus' words they they speak to Nicodemus' situation, and yeah. he's he's different to you know, you know, the person standing, the guy who's standing there with his stone in his hand. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Well, brilliant. Sorry, Jen. Yes. No, no. I was just thinking. Take a big intake of breath. There, I was just thinking. That
2: I read Jesus. Remember Jesus got lost when he was 12 and he was in the temple talking yes. to everybody. He's been doing this for a long time. Yes. This, this debate conversation, I don't know if that's relevant at all, but you know, maybe, and I read it and I think, it, I think it's, it's a difficult, it sounds like a different conversation, but it, it's, it's how he debated and revealed who he was and he, mm-hmm. um, he just knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I We really thought about mm-hmm. that before.
0: Yeah. Good. Anything else anybody wants to put in there? Neil, did you, did you feel you spoke about crisis being provoked? <laughs>
1: yeah, Jen brought it in because she talked about it often in response to uh, things, big changes happening. So I think that this Jesus comes as a crisis. So Jesus, the word crisis has two meanings. It means um, it can mean condemn. So you get these texts swear in John where Jesus says, "I haven't come to condemn the world," but but also Jesus says, "I come I come as a judgment," and I, I think what's going on here is. I think Jesus is always asking us a question where am I are you prepared to let go of your old structures of respectability and belonging in order to belong to me in such a radical way Um, and I think often it's a Jesus provokes crises in order to 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 do that
0: I think that's a good place to leave it not least because I'd like to know what your takeaways are, mm. <laughs> partly because I forgot to do it last time. apologies there. Um, but I, I I think that's my takeaway. i'll I'll, I'll go first this time. <laughs> I don't usually go first, but I think I think you know what what are the crises that Jesus is provoking in my understanding of my faith currently that that's what I want to go away and
1: contemplate. I think. My takeaway is the fact that I looked at the clock and couldn't believe the time. I just mm-hmm. felt totally immersed in this conversation,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a way that Johnny does. So I think my takeaway is that John seems to work on a level which is not logic, or not. I don't want to say he's illogical, but it it's something about what's happened is that we've 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 bathed, we've we've been held in this this story, and it changes you. I think I mm-hmm. said to you earlier that. I spoke to somebody recently about a situation I'm facing and I, I gave a whole kind of thing about this understanding of the gospel that Jesus provokes us into crisis to, to, to get him. And the person just said, I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because I've been reading Johnny. There's something about this. Jesus changes you.
2: Uh-huh. I'm too
1: scared to preach on it though.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just because such a long passage.
2: <laughs> Jen, what about you? Something about the way Jesus interacts with the woman that is brought to him. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about people that I might look at and judge things about them. Now, it might be that they actually, I'll just judge things about them, it might actually be they're living their lives in a way that is not what Jesus would want for them. But in that situation, how would Jesus have me react to them? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not Jesus, right? But, you know, in the way that he did with that woman and the total respect and love and care he had for her. And, and I pray that for, I would want that for myself also. I'm not just, this is not just me looking at other people, but when people look at me and they might think, oh, Jen should be, maybe I could help Jen be walk closer to Jesus in some things. I'd want that kind of reaction. So thinking about what that really means and how I engage with people
0: good well thank you very much uh i might come back
1: and
2: ask you how you got on with that next time we maybe. maybe a lifetime but then you never know the way things have gone the last few weeks yeah. you see
1: sometimes <laughs> no, sometimes i think we say we
2: took a moment of pause
0: there because we're like what does she mean by that <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes sometimes
1: we say you know i'm going to go ahead and think about this or so think about that and um we you know the, the best intentions at the time we don't we don't always manage there's no
0: accountability pardon I've still there's no accountability. I've still not massively read up on the Jewish (laughs) traditions. I I did buy a book and I read the first chapter. But
1: but what I'm saying is, this one we won't get a choice. The the thing will happen that will cause us to look at this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. It's true. Good. Well, thank you very much to you both. Uh, As ever, listeners, if you want to get in touch and tell us your thoughts on all this, then uh, you can do that at outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org. But before we finish today, Jen, do
2: you have a gem for us? Yes, a a simple gem, I think, today. Um, And it's actually, I think, uh, pointing to someone else who quite often brings gems into my life. Um, on Facebook, you know, if you're on Facebook or there's a website as well, it's called The Resource, and it's run by Ali Campbell, who's a youth and children's consultant. And he just puts up lots of helpful things, resources, ideas, uh, jobs, if you want a job. He's always looking out for good jobs that have good structures and are well-paid, properly paid. So he's, he's very careful about the kind of jobs he advertises. So The Resource, have a look. But his gem this week that, he—that for me, I thought was a gem, um, was thinking about uh, discipleship and, and what that means in our work with young people and children and reflecting on often we think of that. Discipling It's become a word we use in Christian circles and in churches as if it was something um, we do and the stuff we create. Uh, and then that puts stress on us because why aren't these people becoming disciples? And just want to read this wee bit that Ali Campbell said, he said, but what do we see in the Gospels? The first disciples lived with Jesus, watched Jesus, talked with Jesus, wondered at what Jesus was doing. All in that place of encounter, doing life together, a shared journey where the astonishing activities of Jesus' life on earth continually amazed them. Do we seek to make disciples by telling children and young people about Jesus, or do we introduce them to him? Are we creating space for encounter and expecting the Holy Spirit to show up or are we so planned and organized that there isn't room for him to move? So I, Gem,
1: I just wanted to share.
0: Brilliant. Love that. I think I that think really fits
1: can... with what we're talking about. Yeah, it, it does. does. Actually, it it really does. It really mm-hmm. does. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Well, thank you very much to both of you. And thank you. Um,
1: Do you know how much everyone... I've loved this conversation? I texted the person that I'm in the next meeting with. I'm not coming yet. <laughs>
0: How much? How much I've loved it. I've texted Danny the boiler man to say I'm running a bit late, Danny, and that's a big deal because that means I might be cold for a while.
1: Is that that a legitimate (laughs) form of texting in meetings? You're enjoying the meeting so much that you're texting the people in the next meeting to say you're going to be late.
0: It's also quite polite, isn't it, to the next person? I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes. i think a bit of, um, yeah anyhow we are going to draw things to a close, to a close <laughs> just because danny the plumber's turning up shortly and um, so we're, next time we're going to be talking about john chapter nine and we'll be returning to the subject of healing once again so this time in reference to the man born blind and that takes up all of that chapter which will be interesting to talk about so join us then for more outspoken conversation and in the meantime don't forget to rate like share review contact us send a pigeon with a message i don't know so that other people can get involved and of course drop us an email if you like at
1: outspoken at org. i was i was saying something relevant if people rate us on their podcast app it does mean that more people will see the outspoken bible yeah
0: it. bumps us up the, alg- the algorithm means that you, you then are bumped up so, a bit please more. so do it does it. it does actually really help so if you yeah if you don't have time to send us an email but you're enjoying it then you know stick a stick a rating on that really does help I uh, guess Thank you very much to you both.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you.